A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit BeNext.ThinkMoCo.com to see how we can help you be next. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 85 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are continuing with our 2022 redraft positional previews today with two more great guests. But first, let's bring on my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Good to be back. I missed the catcher episode. So, good to be back for first base and got two awesome guests, like you mentioned. Really looking forward to... This talking podcast for sure. Yeah, if, if you're gonna miss one episode, the, the, the catcher episode was great. Everyone go back and listen to it. But if you have to miss one position, I guess yeah. catchers want to do it on. Yeah, I'm not upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> about the position at least. Right, but we, we had a great podcast with uh, the Triple Play Boys, Marty, Doc, and David. So go check that out. That was a fun episode, and we have two more great guests today. First, this is a man you, you can hear on both the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast and the Rotosaurus High Stakes Heat Podcast, a man who loves a good fantasy baseball debate, but not any injury-prone players. The one, the only, Dave McDonald joins us. Dave, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, buddy. I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. It's good, good to have you on. It's always fun to talk baseball with you. Oh, yeah. Love love talking with you guys. And, uh, you know, getting to meet you guys. The first pitch was awesome. Uh, love Love all Absolutely. the opportunity I can to hang out with you guys. Absolutely. And it's funny because before I met you, I think I've told you this, but I don't know if I've told anybody else on the air. I had you pegged for like five eight, five nine. And then you walk <laughs> you walk out back. Well, we were all back of the uh, hotel by the pool that first night. And I'm like, oh, this is Dave McDonald, this like six foot five freaking dude. I'm like, geez, this is I was way off. Just, I've never seen I never saw you outside of like this right here. I can see you on the screen, just like shoulders right. up. I'm like, I had you yeah. pegged for a smaller guy, but you're not you're you're very tall. That's very tall me. man. Just me. Five eight five nine right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I had you pay for for Clegg size over there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I uh, I can pick Justin up like he's a small child. So uh, yeah, um, I yeah, you know you don't really talk too much about how tall you are, but I, I have mentioned it before. But Govier thought I thought the same thing. He told his uh, girlfriend to go find me when they went to come pick me up. He didn't tell her anything. He was like, "Yeah, I think he's like mid twenties, average height," and I'm like. Dude, I'm late thirties, six foot five, beard. Like she, he, I don't even know how she found me. He didn't give her anything to work with. I'm like, this is a miracle. 
Well, Leanne is a very smart person. She really um, is. And she and she's the kind of person you like walk up to everybody and like introduce herself and like make friends with them, which is pretty much what she had to do before she found me. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. All right, but rounding out the podcast today is a man that is only allowed to play in 15 leagues this year, but will probably <laughs> somehow sneak in a few more. He runs TGFBI and can be found on the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast and the world famous Sleeper on the Bus podcast. A man who wears a one-piece bikini for fun. Who else but Justin Mason? What's up, Justin? <laughs> uh, that is an amazing intro right there. I don't even know how I can live up to to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dave is a giant, though. I, I do have to mention, like, he, he kind of just said this in passing that he can pick me up. Because he did. And I am not a little guy. Like, uh, I, I haven't been swept off my feet in that way since I met my wife. So, uh, so many years ago. Uh, great line, and, great uh, line. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Getting brownie points. I see how I, it is. I, I, I got to suck up because she's going to yell at me for being on this podcast. Just, you know. She's going to hate me even more now, too. She's going to be like, oh, okay, so Dave swept you off your feet, but I don't. Oh, yeah. She, she yeah, no, she, she, uh, she told me to mention you guys that she hates you all um, (laughs) it's funny i almost i i totally i thought about this idea like a week ago after we we kind of confirmed you guys for this episode i was gonna have her provide the intro that i read for you just to make it (laughs) this make it hilarious but i totally forgot until like half an hour ago i'm like ah, it's too late now but maybe maybe next time yeah but i thought that'd be i don't know if i don't know that she's uh allowed to contractually uh you know say nice things about me on a podcast or on social media so that was the whole point point. I and mean, that might have been oh okay. i wanted this you, like you her interest the, to be roasting you wanted you. the danielle oh yeah no she'd do that she you know yeah she you can you can find those pretty easily just anywhere so um yeah N- next time da- daily have to occurrence have yeah. <laughs> oh god okay before we get into the show the usual housekeeping you can find all of us on twitter justin is at justin mason fwfb dave is at run dmcd chris is at roto clegg i am at eric cross zero four and our show is at fantrax toolshed if you enjoy our podcast please rate and review check out our patreon which is patreon.com slash fantrax toolshed for extra content from both of chris and i and, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ Network, including the 2022 Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. It's got a lot of fun content in there. Let's get right into this week's episode. We're talking first base today. A very fun position. Kind of uh, top-heavy a little bit, but some intriguing targets throughout. We'll get to all that. Uh, let's start, though. Uh, let's talk about our general you know, position overview and strategy with first base. Dave, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on the first base player pool this year, and how are you approaching it in your drafts? Yeah, um, I, I first base is generally a position, and especially this year, where I, I actually feel like you can find a lot of late value, and I feel like a lot of these guys kind of provide the same things. Like uh, the majority of these guys are more or less three category contributors. You know, not many of them steal bases. You got a couple guys like Goldschmidt in there who can give you, you know, ten to twelve maybe. Um, but, and then you got some guys who can hit for average, you know, like Vlad, obviously, but for the most part, these guys are, you know, 240 to 270 hitters with 30 home run power-ish here, give and take. And so I, I really feel like I can wait on it and get a couple of guys who can all kind of give me relatively the same as what the guys who are going above them give me. Like when you're comparing and contrasting to other positions where I feel like 
I can't get those things that I need. Like early on in the drafts, I'm looking to get steals and average, and I don't, I don't really feel like I can get that from the first base position. So I generally punt it down the board a, uh, a bit. Yeah, I kind of had that same thought too. Like you, you get into like past the top seven or eight or so, and it's not really a huge difference between like nine or ten on the board and like sixteen to seventeen, and then the same thing from like seventeen down to like twenty three or whatever it is. So yeah, I, I kind of, I definitely hear you there, Justin. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I think the only caveat there is, one, I think a lot of people are feeling that way, that first base is extremely deep, that you can get really useful guys later on. And so often in drafts, I'm seeing guys who are, you know, higher rated first baseman, Freddie Freeman, uh, Pete Alonzo, Matt Olson, drop in drafts farther than they should. And I think we shouldn't be afraid to go, hey, you know, this is a pretty damn good value, especially when you're talking about a guy like Freddie Freeman, who is kind of a perennial 300 hitter with 30 plus home runs. Like you can't find those combinations that easily, especially at first base. So while I tend to, you know, do what you guys are talking about, which is, you know, kick it down the can or, or wait till a point in the draft where I really don't like other things. It's like, okay, maybe now is the time to go address first base. Uh, you know, you don't want to, give up on value. I got Freddie Freeman at like pick 26 or 27 mm. in a DC recently. And I was just like, I'm I, yeah, I'm not going to get speed here, but this is too good of a value to pass up. And I'm going to, I'm going to take 30 home runs in a, in a damn good average, especially because I expect him to end up back in Atlanta. For sure. And, and let's hope that happens or my I'm co-host will not be a happy camper <laughs> down there. So he said that he will riot and do, some unspeakable things if yeah. Freddie Freeman leaves. <laughs> so let, let's hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, Freeman, I've said it on another podcast. Like Freeman is a value everywhere. I feel like whether it's redraft, dynasty, whatever, I've gotten him pretty a pretty good value in both formats. Yeah, he doesn't provide speed, but I'll be you can't really find a much more consistent four category lock. The guy's just 300, 30, 100, 100 every year. So yeah, love love uh, Freddie Freeman this year as I usually do. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I mean, I tend to agree it's deep. And I also think that there are some values. Like I think Pete Alonso is just going way too late. It's kind of crazy that he did everything we expected him to do last year, and now he's going you know, some 30 picks later than he was last year, which is crazy to me. I mean, his ADP, round 60, he's going as late as 100 in a draft. Like, I'm scooping a lot, a lot of that. I mean, you can pretty much count on him for a 260 average, but I think you know, 40 bombs is in the cards with – you know, a lot of running RBI production. So Pete Alonso has been one of my favorite first base targets. And then if, if I miss on him, I'm looking a little deeper. Just think, I do think there are some some solid options. There are a lot of underrated guys too. I think a lot of the guys in the, the mid-100 range are just being undervalued in general. And so the position does offer some good value, I think, and kind of agree with what y'all said. I think some guys are falling because they think the position is just deep, which is true, but you're getting good value on some players. Yeah, and there's a – huge ADP gap. You looking like I'm looking at NFBC right now. You know, after like number six right now is Jose Abreu at 73.1. And then there's a 33 pick gap down to Mount Castle. And I'm sure that ADP is going to fall a little bit. And then you get like this absolutely massive cluster between like 105 and 155 or so, which goes like 11 or 12 players deep. So we'll get into, we'll get into all that. But first let's start right at the top. Vladdy Jr. coming off a historic season where he would have won an MVP if, you know, some guy named Shohei Otani didn't exist. But Vladdy last year in 698 plate appearances, 
slash 311-401-601. 48 home runs, 111 RBI, and 123 runs scored. Justin, I know it kind of depends on where you are and your how you you know construct your roster, but is Vladdy a guy that you'd be willing to take at his ADP, you know, around pick five or six or so, or are you kind of shying away because he doesn't provide you any speed there in that first round? Yeah, I really, if I, if I'm going to take a hitter in the first round, I want, I want five category production. Um, and I just don't see, I think I know there was like some sort of video of him, like running down a field or a beach or something <laughs> like that. And there's uh, plenty of those. Getting, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, people were getting excited. Like this was going to be like a, you know, he's going to turn to David Hassel off or something, but, um, <laughs> I, I just can't take him that early. Especially when there's so many really, really good speed options uh, out the gate. Uh, and especially because you have to wait all the way around. Like, if you're in a 15-team league and take Vladdy, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth overall, you've got a long ways to wait, and who knows what's going to make it back to you in that second round. So uh, I prefer guys with speedier options. And if I don't get some speed in the first round, I want an ace. So Vladdy's more of a back-of-the-end of the first round option. And even there, I'd have a hard time pulling. I was about to ask you that. Like, let's say you're sitting there in a 15 team or like pick 11 or 12 and he's something I'll follow to you there. Is that where you'd start to consider taking him? Probably not. I mean, I'm probably going to take like an ace, like Burns or, um, maybe like a or, Kyle Tucker's know, in that range. Oh, if Kyle Tucker's there, I'm taking Kyle yeah. Tucker. Like, you know, cause I think he can just be an absolute monster, uh, this year. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to end up with Guerrero on any teams this year unless I just make a decision to see what a Guerrero build looks like. But that seems unlikely at this point. Yeah. Dave, you agree with that? Yeah, pretty much exactly what he said. Um, and, you know, it, it does depend on the format a bit. Obviously, like, mm-hmm. I I'm, I play a lot of 15-teamers, and in 15-teamers, you have all these resources that you need to get early that you can't get later. You need to get those steals. You need to get your ace. You need to get your closer. So in the first four rounds, there's no way I can draft a guy who doesn't give me something along the lines of what I'm looking for. So at a position that I feel is really deep, like first base, a guy who is good as Vlad is, obviously, you know, MVP, you know, level talent, elite skills, but he doesn't give me, he's never going to give me speed. He's, and again, I'm fulfilling a position that I feel very comfortable getting later. You can't have an, in a 15 team or you can't have an all-star at every position and you need to Right. You need to be okay taking guys later at some positions, and first base is exactly that position that I'm fine waiting on till later, whereas other positions are not. So I just don't see many scenarios that I would take him other than maybe like a shallower, maybe like a 10-teamer or a 12-teamer where he falls a bit later. Um, you know, like I don't know if I'd take Kyle Tucker over him, to be honest with you. Um, I might. It would be close. So it, I just don't think he's going to end up falling to me in a place where I would ever be able to take him. Clegg, where would you be okay taking Vladdy? Um, probably towards the back end of the first. I, I just don't really – I'm not sure if he's going to hit for that high of an average again. And I think uh, – not that he's going to hit for a low average, but I, I'd much prefer just to wait on like a Freddie if I'm looking to target first base early. I think you know he's obviously going to hit for less power, but you know similar run RBI and, and uh, home run production. But you can get the you, you can get the discount, I think. So kind of discount him a little bit. I think his max picks at 12 right now in, in draft champions. So I don't know, maybe buying at that point, but you know, I'd prefer to get speed or a, a starting pitcher at the top. Also question, yeah. do we know for sure that the launch angle sticks? I mean, I think it probably does. Like, I think he's probably that good that it's, he's going to be able to keep it, but yeah. 
I just don't know if it's for, for sure because everybody else that we've seen who's changed their launch angle has always reverted, like Leandi and Hosmer. So, I, I mean, while I'm, I would err on the side of, yes, I think he will keep it, I think there's a non-zero chance that that reverts and then what happens to his power then. So I, and you know, he's not going to be playing in Dunedin and uh, Toronto maybe this year. I mean, I don't know who knows what's going on with COVID this year, but I, I, if he plays most of the time in Rogers center, that's not the home run place that most people might think it is like, it's uh it's actually um, below average or well, not below average, but it's, it's not nearly as high as the other places are in, in for home. Right. Runs, so. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you could expect over 40 next necessarily. Yeah, I mean, that's if you, a good, good point. Well, go ahead, Justin. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, if you kind of look at I just brought up his uh, average launch angle by a month, and it went up and down throughout the season. He made adjustments kind of constantly. So I think he's such a talented hitter that he can kind of play around with it in season the way he did in 2021 and, and be totally fine, like, you yeah. know, maybe something isn't working right, you know, right that minute, but he's going to figure it out pretty quick. So I think what we learned is yeah. he he's he's working really, really hard physically, um, and he's learning a lot about the game because we saw him make some really substantial changes in 2021 that I think are going to stick. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And to Dave's point, I just pulled up his splits by ballpark uh, in Salem Field in Buffalo and then uh, TD uh, Park down there, he combined for 21 home runs and 44 games. Yeah. He hit 410 down in uh, Tampa at that park. Or not Tampa. Um, what was that park? Dunedin. Dunedin, yeah. He, he hit 410 down there and then 321 at Salem Field up there in Buffalo. So, yeah. And then Rogers, he still was good at Rogers Center. He yeah. had 294, 10 home runs and 35 games. We had definitely 21 bombs and 44 games. So it was definitely a nice little boost. Yeah, I, I think he can still be like around forty home runs. I think I don't think he'll push fifty, but it wasn't like it was even a huge launch angle adjustment. It was yeah, four point six to nine point four is definitely an adjustment, but it wasn't like he got up to like that fifteen degree angle. So um, yeah, so I think we're all in agreement. Definitely, we, we definitely think Vlad is great, but yeah, top five, top six pick rate, not quite yeah. sure, especially with, with yeah needing speed that early. And even though he's out there, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, there's. 48 videos a day of him working out and running <laughs> and doing all this and that flipping tires and doing the rope thing and all that stuff. Uh, that's a pretty fun person to follow on Twitter, but yeah, one of I don't the, think he's going to start adding 10 steals anytime soon or anything like that. But one of the mistakes I, I sometimes see like amateur fantasy players make is they, they put a lot of stock in these videos. They see like a video right. that gets them all hyped up and like, exactly. oh, look, he's in really good shape. And it's like, no, you, you can't watch <laughs> these things. Like this, right. is, this is not how you make uh, good informed decisions. So don't, don't. I don't even look at videos from guys. Like it does, it does not matter at all. Uh, Gregory Polanco should have taught us this a few years back. Like, <laughs> every so year we would see we'd, we'd see Gregory Polanco like you know doing the rope and the tire and like <laughs> oh my god he's in the best shape of his life. Despotus armor. It's gonna happen. There's a yeah. reason they're highlights. It's a highlight for yeah. a reason. I just don't want to see the opposite, yeah. like, especially with a guy like Vlad, right? I don't want to see him coming in like Pablo Sandoval used to come <laughs> in, like, you know, weighing 300 pounds. Six to, like, how six to looked. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, I'm not going to give anybody bonus points for, like, coming in in really great shape. Uh, I will definitely give people negative points for coming in. That's former Cleveland Indian uh, Pablo Sandoval. Put some respect on his name, yes. right? And former Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, 
Cleveland hero, Pablo. Yeah, we traded playoff MVP Eddie Rosario for Pablo and then just dumped him. You're welcome, mm-hmm. Clegg. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, much I, hope, I hope Pablo... Yeah, I hope Pablo got a ring for that. I think he does. <laughs> he's he's now he's now got four rings, and Mike Trout has played in three <laughs> playoff games. So or postseason games. Excuse hey, me. Pablo but, was the reason the Braves even made it to the postseason because he had three walk off home yeah. runs, three pinch hit walk off yeah. home runs in April. Wow. Insane. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was the he's, he's weirdly remember? clutch. Yeah. <laughs> it's also one of my my favorite baseball stories. Is the year uh, he came into spring training for us completely out of shape, like that that photo of him like bursting the belt buckle open. But then I forget, I think it was from the front office of the Red Sox saying, yeah, he only has 14% body fat. I'm like, bullshit, he's got 14% body fat. Like, there's no freaking way. Have you looked at this guy? He's like a sumo wrestler out there, like 14% body fat. I think they, I think that was a typo. They meant 40. Yeah, yeah or like, or like <laughs> his pink, pinky toe, maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, I bet you didn't okay. come on today expecting to spend three minutes on Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> no, we did not, but here we are. I'll. It's it's never a bad time to talk Pablo Sandoval, is it? He's such a fun guy to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> Gotta love Pablo. But <laughs> all right, moving on to the next uh, kind of cluster here after the top two of Vladdy and Freeman. Get a nice little like I don't know if Freeman's in his own tier. We'll call him tier two, but tier three here. We got four guys within about thirty picks of each other. You got Matt Olson to go around pick forty two, Goldie at fifty, Pete Alonso at fifty eight. And 73, we have Jose Abreu rounding out the quote-unquote kind of elite options at this position. So let's talk about the the kind of the four here. Olsen, Goldie, Alonzo, and Abreu. Which one, you know, which of this four are you buying the most at their ADP right now? Clegg, I'll go to you first. I think I know your answer here, but which one of these four do you like the most at their ADP? Oh, yeah, I already said Alonzo, and that's that's a pretty easy pick for me. I mean, I even in draft champions, you know, going around 66, like that's kind of crazy to me. I just think he's a good value, and you, you know what to expect from him. I, I, I don't expect a high batting average, but I think you can get away with it if you if you build right. I mean, 260 is probably what he's going to hit, and then he's going to provide 40 home runs and a ton of run RBI. So uh, it's a pretty easy target for Alonzo. I think Goldschmidt, I think people are pushing him up because the stolen bases last year. I'm not yeah. sure we can count on that. So I think that's that's inflated his value a lot. And I do like Olsen. I think Olsen's – um, a good value where he's going, but I do. He he did see the regression some towards the end of the year with the contact rates. You know they were way up most of the year, and he saw some regression down the stretch. So, you know, Alonzo's probably my favorite target. If Olsen falls to you know, in the fifties, and I'm considering him there, so probably just avoiding Goldschmidt. I'm not sure what to expect out of him. Yeah, expecting another double-digit steal season from a 34-year-old first baseman is not a wise uh, thing to do. So he had a. It's weird because he only had a 34 percentile of sprint speed. But at the same time, you know, like Albert Pujols had a 16 steal season. Sometimes you can still get, you know, double digits just by on smarts alone. I think that's stolen bases are not about speed; they're about the will to steal bases. Right. I'm preaching that because it doesn't matter what your sprint speed is. If you want to yep. run, you're going to run. So, Kettle Marte, right? Kettle Marte's fast as heck, but yep. it just never ends up stealing any bases. Yep. Which is annoying because mm-hmm. if he stole bases, he'd be a top 30 pick. But you know, adding in 10, 15 steals would be great. But um yeah i I love alonzo here it's it's funny alonzo is just quietly just gotten better and better every year now last year dropped the k rate it was 26.4 percent in his rookie year down to 19.9 last year hard hit rate was the best of his career xba you know was the best of his career at 270 as well he's always been elite barrel rate exit velocity hard hit rate guy so 
Um, glad to see him cut that K rate. And yeah, it's funny. You, like we mentioned back in the you know, earlier on, Chris, but how Alonzo finally kind of did what we all hoped he would. And now his ADP kind of didn't, you know, adjust with it. So it's got a, a good value on Alonzo here. Uh, even on fan tracks drafts, he is ADP 56 right now. So he's right behind Goldie's 55, uh, Olsen 37, and Abreu 77. So yeah, definitely love Alonzo this year. I think he's, he's my favorite target as well. Dave, who do you like here from this group? Yeah, I, I guess I'm uh, I'm going to be the the guy who's different here. I I don't see myself drafting any of these three um, again because I mean again if we're talking 15 teamers, uh, they're just going in those first four rounds when I need other things that the, that those guys don't give me. Um, I really like the uh, adjustments that Olson made last year, and I I definitely think uh, you know he's much better. Like I didn't understand his ADP in, in previous years. Now I actually think he's you know more yeah. worthwhile. Um, but I, I don't really see him hitting over 270 still. Um, I mean, it kind of depends on what park he's into, but either way, he's just going to give me power and that's just not like I can make up power later. It's not really a concern right, for right. me. So um, I like Goldie steals. I like, you know, I, I got him a lot last year cause he was going around pick a hundred, but uh, you know, going in those top 60 picks, I'm just never going to be looking for a first baseman there. So um, you know, these different ways you can build your teams. It's just not personally how how I build mine. Yeah, and and, and Olson too. Like you mentioned that he cut his K rate almost in half. Yeah, in it was crazy. Thirty one yeah. four down to sixteen point eight, which is insane to have that big of a jump. Just when when someone like it's not like a first year to second year player. Like he's been in the league what five six years at this point. So, now, so. I don't know exactly what it's called, but he was using some kind of like red machine or something. I forget what the name of it was, but it was like literally it was helping him develop his contact skills last year. So that was a situation where, uh, you know. It was not just a narrative, you know. It actually, you you saw the huge gains from it. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's just, uh, you know, a blip or something that he can't sustain as long as he keeps working with it. I don't remember what yep, exactly sure. the machine was called. Do you remember, Justin? I don't. But shout out to our friend Mike Curland, uh, who posted uh, one of his quick little videos the other day and uh, talked about how Matt Olson was, I think, third in Major League Baseball in terms of opposite field barrel percentage. Oh, okay. So, like, he was using all the fields. Uh, I like Olsen a lot, too, especially because wherever he gets traded and we expect him to give you a trade, it's going to be a better part. However, the correct answer in this threesome, even though, unlike Dave, I do like all three of these guys, um, is Paul Goldschmidt. Like, you get five-category production. You guys keep mentioning, oh, his steals are probably going to come down. Okay, maybe it comes down. Maybe he only steals seven bases. He hits 300. Like, he hits... Be to like 90 something last year, 294, and like he has pretty much hit 290 or better in virtually every season except for what 2019, I think. Yep. Like he, he five category production, he's just like being ignored because he is old, I guess. Like, I, I don't know, I think 60 seems like a really, really fair price for a first baseman who's going to give you. Power, average, and speed, and a boatload of runs and RBIs. Like, uh, I'm fine with where he's going. Now, like Dave said, often I'm not going to get any of these guys, right? Because I'm building my team a little bit differently. But, man, if Goldschmidt falls in a draft, I have no problem scooping him up. Really, yeah. any of these guys fall in a draft, I have no problem. No, and and to clarify, he is my pick out of those three easily. Um, I, I didn't really say that because I wasn't planning on taking any of them, but – you're right. He does give you that that production across the board. You know, ten to twelve steals, um, and he he hit better than ever last year. So you know, Father Time's not catching up with Goldschmidt just yet. 
Nope, it's definitely not. I, I, I like both Goldie and Alonzo here. I think Abreu is always underrated as well, but you know, his, you know, the lower average, he's 261 last year, though he was a career 290 guy, so maybe that can bounce back. But he's also going to be 35, doesn't run at all. Um, but I think they're all pretty solid picks. If you, if you want a first baseman early, I don't really have any issues with any of their ADPs. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go Alonzo and then Goldschmidt. But, man, if Olsen does get dealt out, which is a possibility with Oakland kind of going in rebuild mode again, uh, you know, I've heard the rumors of Yan- the Yankees being in on Olsen. Would that – I know I know we're talking hypotheticals here, but Olsen in Yankee Stadium, would that change your mind, Dave? Would you be after an Olsen? No, it just, it's still no. going to be, no, I mean, it's, he obviously would be, um, you know, more attractive to me, but it would, it would still be the same concern where he just doesn't give me what I'm looking for. And I also think if he goes to New York, he's, his ADP is probably going to shoot up even more from where yeah. it is right now. And it's just yes. going to make it less palatable than it is now. Um, as far as he'll, he'll probably get close to like Freeman, he'll probably be only a few yeah. picks behind Freeman. It'll be, be, be like, yeah, it'll be a borderline second round pick in 15 team leagues. Ooh, and that's, yeah. man. I can't do that. No, no. As far as far as Abreu goes, I guess my question to you guys is this: Like, I understand he's on a really good offense, so he he can rack up the RBI. But what am I getting from him that I can't get out of you know Josh Bell or CJ Crone or maybe even Joey Votto? Like, I don't, I just don't see a big difference there. So, like, if I can get a guy going sixty picks later, hundred and ten right? plus RBI. Just, I mean, that's that's the difference. Yeah, but it's like you're, that, you're not getting. You're not getting that from Josh Bell. You're not. I don't need it that, though. So. I, I RBI and runs. You, you asked the question. You, you you said you asked the question. <laughs> what is, what am I getting from Abreu that I'm not getting from those guys? That's what you're getting. Okay. You're you're getting you're right. getting better counting categories. I'm now I'm I'm probably not going to take Abreu because, like I said, you can get power yeah. later in the draft, right? You can make up for that. But like that's the argument for taking a guy like Abreu. Ahead of those other guys, I would prefer to kind of fade a Brayu. If if I'm not ending up with a Goldschmidt, you know, if I'm not ending yep. up with an Alonzo, then I'm going to fade kind of the next tier of guys more often than not for the guys later. Because I don't think the difference between like tiers four or five and like seven or eight are really big enough right. where I need to start making picks unless someone drops a tremendous amount in a draft. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a few guys that you can get. 100 or so picks later after a Brayu that could maybe give close, maybe not quite his value. No, but but like 80% come, is fine. Yeah. Exactly. Guys like, you know, we'll get to these guys later, but like I can see Frankie Schwindel coming 80% of a Brayu's value. Maybe a Bobby Dahlbeck mm-hmm. if he can you know, make those late season changes stick. Maybe Justin, don't give me that face. Give me that yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that one at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dalbeck's very you know very, he's very uh, kind of polarizing, but this is a handful of guys later on that I think could come close to Abreu that you can get a hundred picks later if everything breaks right for those guys. But let's move on to that next kind of clump. It's a massive, massive clump. You look at that ADP. So on an NFBC number seven off the board for first base is Ryan Mountcastle, right? You know, around pick 105, 106. and then the rest of the cluster you got DJ Lemayhu. Jared Walsh, Jake Cronenworth, CJ Cron, Josh Bell, Ty France, Reese Hoskins, it keeps going, Max Muncy, Tyler Stevenson, he's first base eligible, and Joey Votto is kind of 50 picks after Mountcastle. That, that's 11 names I just read that are in a 50-pick kind of cluster there. Right, let's start right at the, the top of that cluster, though, with Ryan Mountcastle. Had a pretty solid rookie year last year. 33 home runs, 89 RBI, added them four steals, hit 255. 
But, you know, Baltimore is moving out the left field fence because I think that can solve their pitching woes or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Mountcastle was, uh, yeah, and that's going to help John Means keep you know, all the those 9,000 home runs <laughs> in the ballpark. But that's the story of another day. But Mountcastle, though he can use the entire field uh, very well, there were, you look at his spray chart, and there's probably, uh, it's hard to like tell for sure, but four, five, six home runs. Uh, and that might have been not a home run if he had the dimensions of the new left field. I actually saw someone said it was only two, and I don't, I, I don't only know. I've been looking into it myself, but I think I saw someone say it was only two homers he would have lost last year. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's not I, I, as again, big of a unconfirmed, but just what I saw from someone uh, uh, that but, was. Yeah. Yeah, but probably losing some home runs. Obviously, yeah. you know, a couple is not a huge ding to his value, but this is a guy that was all, already. You know, I wasn't sure he was a 33 home run guy in general. You know, the kind of the quality of contact metrics were not that great. He had a solid bail rate. I get that. But he's never a guy that I thought would be like a 35 home run bat. So he's a guy I was fading in general. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on Mountie? Is he a guy you're going after in this tier? Or do you got like other guys in this range? Oh, man. This is the thing, man. Like, I was really in on Mountcastle before they announced that news of moving back the fences and up. Not only are they moving back the fences, That's they're moving true, up yeah. to 13 feet tall. Um, I I'm trying to remember exactly uh, what, I think it was Andrew Perpetua on Twitter. He kind of did some modeling of that and... Um, I think that's really going to hurt him in the home run department. Now it may help him in the average department because it's going to increase the Babbitt, you know, having that kind of yep. bigger uh, left field area. So um, I dropped him uh, like three or four or five spots in my ranks. Uh, I currently have him as my number 12 outfielder. I had a much higher than that uh, prior to that news. So I'm, I still like the first and outfit eligibility. That's really nice. Yep. I like that, but I think you've got to temper your expectations if you were expecting like 30 to 35 home runs and think it's probably going to drop closer to being more like 20 to 30 home runs uh, with a little bit better batting average. Maybe it's like 275, something like that. He's hit everywhere he's gone. Like I know he's the guy like that a lot of people want to fade because like the stat cast numbers aren't great, but at some point like on-field production means something and dude knows how to hit. Uh, and so I, I'm not completely fading him. But I'm definitely pumping the brakes a little bit harder than I was prior to that news. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I was already not liking his ADP. I said he's another one of the guys where I was like, I could find close to the same production, you know, 75 picks later, whatever it may be. So moving the yeah, moving the fences back and up again. Yeah, I can see the the batting average. Maybe he's yeah, two sixty, two seventy with twenty five. But is that really that special in you know the you know one hundred five to one twenty range where he doesn't really run at all? He's never been a you know, a guy that provided much speed, so I don't think he's more than a three, four, five steel guy. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely fading Mountcastle, uh, especially now. I was already not that high, and I'm, I'm fading him even more now. Uh, Clegg, what about you? Are you uh, are you a Mountie guy or no? No, uh, not in particular. I think that he needs to fall a little bit further, and I, he may. I think this whole fence moving thing it could really affect some of the Baltimore hitters' values, where they might turn into decent values. But you know, I wasn't really picking him around pick 100. Is a pretty interesting range in draft champions, you know, going from 74 to 134. I know that's probably, you know, as of the last couple of weeks changed a little bit. It's just an overall look at that. But yeah, right now I'm pretty out on him. I'm just, I don't really trust the, like you mentioned, the batted ball data and you look and hits a lot of pop ups. You look at his launch angle distributions and just a lot of, a lot of fly balls near like 30 degrees and 35 degrees. And, you know, that's just a little high for somebody with his exit velocities. You're not going to hit a lot of home runs with 
with those um, launch angles. So I don't know. I, I think he can still be solid, but like I said, I think there's some better options a little later that I just prefer to wait on. Totally agree. Dave, any, uh, any Mountie love from you? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I just, I look at what he does and like 50 picks later, Joey Votto, I feel like kind of same exact guy and I can get Votto like 50 picks later. Um, I think you're really just paying up for that outfield eligibility is really the main thing. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to lose a ton of power. I think he'll probably be like just below 30 homers, but you know, I don't think this guy's going to hit 300. I think he's more of a 255 to 270 hitter. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I saw some, uh, some research from this, this guy you might know named Chris Clegg, who said that, you know, he showed that his, his lower, uh, he had a lower 90th percentile, uh, exit velocity than other guys with similar max EVs to him too. So kind of another thing that maybe shows he doesn't quite have the same power as some of these other guys around here. That's true. Yeah. He's a pretty big outlier there. When you look at the max, I mean, the max is solid at 114.6, but the right. 90th percentile at 105 is is pretty low in comparison to other guys that have that that near max. And so, you know, you you look and you wonder if like it's more of an outlier. I would have to go back and look at all of the the batted balls to see for sure, but you know, that that certainly does stand out. By the way, really excited to see the rest of your research on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely haven't been that excited to see some like research like that in a while because I've always felt like Max EV doesn't really encapsulate what I'm looking for, but I feel like the, right. the 90th percentile research is much more along the lines of what I'm what I want to know about. Yeah, and that's like I put out something about Edmundo Sosa yesterday. He has like a Max EV of like 114.6, which is interesting. I like Tyler O'Neill's is like 113, but his yeah. neck like, – <laughs> His his next highest batted ball is like 107. So that just shows right, like people are going right. to look. Everybody's quoting me on Twitter like, "Oh my gosh, like he's one of three players that's a sprint speed over 90th percentile and a max EV over 90th percentile." But I'm like, he like that's such a outlier, you know? And it, right, that right, ground right. ball was so weakly hit. I found the video of it. I'm like, it looks like it was hit like 89 miles an hour. I'm like, it could have been a misread. Who knows? So yeah, yeah, I'm hoping it, to have that out tomorrow. Actually, the the full oh, chart excellent. and stuff. So yes. yeah, at least for 2021, we're trying to backdate some stuff and test it, but um. Just the 2021 numbers hopefully released tomorrow. Kind of excited I'm gonna, about that. I'm going to be on the lookout for that. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah, because Max Exavilo is one batted ball. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everything I That's- everything I learned in like stats class in high school about the you know the outliers <laughs> and whatnot. Like you had to get rid of the high end and low end. Like yeah, Max Ev. I've never. I, I guess for like lower level prospects, it's kind of helpful. Like what they're capable of, maybe. But yeah, a major level, I don't like using Max Ev. It's EV it's at all. fine to use as like a snapshot if you don't have access to more information. But it's it's definitely yeah. not a good clear picture. Like it it's it's a very very small thing to to take into consideration. I, I'm much more curious what they can do on a you know especially their 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 fly balls. I'm much more curious about their exit velocity on fly balls like you were talking about hitting ground balls i don't care how hard you hit ground balls unless exactly. you're unless you're always hitting hard ground balls and okay maybe that's going to raise your bab up a bit but you right. know in terms of your power you need to know what your fly ball ev is right hard hit ground balls aka alec bohm that's basically <laughs> what he is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again when you're not <laughs> when you're not fast it doesn't matter at all like right hit the ball on the ground as hard as you want and it ain't gonna do much for you uh, <laughs> all right moving on here we have a, a couple guys that are Pretty different overall players, but going in the same, they're actually going back to back uh, in, at least at this position in ADP. And that's Jake Cronenworth of the Padres and CJ Cron of the Colorado Rockies. So let's have, go with a little player debate here. Dave, I'll, I'll kick it to you first. Okay. Who would you rather? I know a lot of things can go into it, but yeah. just in general, which player are you higher on for 2022 between these two? Uh, you know, it's, 
I'm going to go with Crone, but it really just depends on what you need. I mean, because Cronenworth is obviously better, you know, contact skills, but he doesn't hit the ball as hard as CJ Crone, so they could still end up hitting for about the same average. I like Cronenworth. I think is less prone to like cold streaks and stuff. Uh, but CJ Crone, the, the Rockies actually played him every day pretty consistently. So yeah, uh, and and in the middle of that lineup, and he can easily hit twice as many home runs as Cronenworth. Uh, but with Cronenworth, you're not really playing him as first baseman most times. You, you know, he's second and short eligible. So most times you're not drafting him as a first baseman. You're drafting him as a middle infielder or, you know, second base shortstop starter there. So it's kind of just it, they're, they're, they're completely different fits for completely different teams, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, how about you? I, I think Dave's right. Like this is this is very much like team context uh, specific, like what you're trying to build uh, or what you need in the moment. Especially because Cronenworth, who I do have ranked higher, I've got I think Cronenworth eighth and and Cron nine. Um, he, the triple eligibility is huge. Yeah, uh, you know to be able to move a guy to three different spots. Um, uh, you know the one thing I will say about CJ Cron that I don't think we we talk about enough. He is. He played in 142 games this year. That's the most he's ever played in a full season. So, like, he's not a guy who's necessarily always on the field. Uh, so, I think that's a, that's just something that kind of puts him down a little bit for me. Uh, I But I do like Cronenworth a lot. I just think he's one of those kind of unsexy glue guys that can move around your roster, give yourself a lot of different options moving forward into the rest of the draft. Uh, so uh, it definitely it's Cronenworth for me, but it's very, very close, like Dave said, and, and really roster dependent. All right, Chris, before we uh, get your thoughts here, you and I are on the clock in the Battle of the Pods draft. Pick. And somehow, some way, <laughs> the, the, the fantasy baseball it. gods have left Juan Soto on the board. Is, is there an even debate? And Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't know. If you were going to say pass. It's the first. It is the first base episode. <laughs> Vlad is sitting for you guys at seven. We just discussed this. Right. <laughs> All right. So I was going to say, if you say to pass on Soto, I might be have to find a new co-host for this yeah, podcast. I'd be so distraught with you. Easy pick here. Go okay. I would Soto go Soto. Is no the, question. No question. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know bad. how. I was sitting there when it was three picks to go. And I was like, "Hey, if uh, Soto, Vladdy, or Bo don't fall to us, who are we going with?" And then not thinking that Soto would be the one that would fall out of those three. So, <laughs> love that. Boom! Soto is on Team Toolshed Shed Leather. You, you, you can you can thank Dave and Zach Waxman for taking pictures. <laughs> it's true. Uh, in the in those to allow Soto to fall. To I figured one Soto. person would take a picture, so I was I was like, "Oh, maybe Vladdy falls, maybe Bo." Didn't think it would be uh, Soto. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, very much. Yeah, Zach uh, in our little uh, group chat, I think, uh, said like, "Oh man, I should just take Soto just to screw with the prospect." Guys. <laughs> <laughs> they know how you feel. <laughs> that is a that is a gift. So appreciate that. Uh, all right, Chris, uh, we'll chop in here on Crone and Cronenworth here. Yeah, it's um, I'm gonna take Crone, but I think it is dependent. Like you said, I think uh, different needs matter here, but I just feel Crone the the batting average is going to be you know largely elevated in cores, like we saw last year. And the power is definitely there as well. So yeah, I think it'd be pretty solid. You know, the supporting cast around him kind of sucks, but that's what it is. So still <laughs> going to get solid power and solid average now, thanks to the course field. So, yeah, I think Cronenworth, like you mentioned, I mean, the fact that he you can put him at first, second, short, you know, middle corner, that's super helpful. So having that flexibility is really nice with him. 
What you're saying, Garrett Hampson sucks? Just a little, just a little. (laughs) As I shed a single tear of my, again, that was like we were talking about, you know, being okay, being wrong, and learning from it. Yep, Garrett Hampson was one I was uh, definitely wrong on. I mean, he's still okay, I guess, but that's definitely not because I thought he was going to be. Um, All right, let's move on here. Got a lot more interesting guys in this range before we hop on to the later round picks here. One, maybe the most uh, interesting name in this tier that's kind of hard to value because we don't really know how healthy he's going to be this uh, this upcoming season uh, with his elbow injury, and that's Max Muncy. Obviously, he's a guy that is very talented. If we, you know, he was 100% healthy going into the year, he would probably be up closer to, you know, the Abreus of the world in that tier. But the injury uncertainty and if he's going to need surgery or if he's going to injure it early on, when's he going to be ready? A lot of question marks have dropped him way down in ADP, down to, I just lost him right there. He's at 143.6 behind Ty France, behind Reese Hoskins, you know, barely ahead of like Joey Votto. He's the 15th person off the board overall. What are you guys doing with, with Muncy? Is there a, Dave, I'll go to you first. Is there a spot, I don't know your answer because you hate injuries, but uh, <laughs> is there a spot with uh, where you'd be okay taking Muncy? Or are you just kind of like, passing completely due to the uncertainties around him right now okay so to clarify i i'm never just off guys because they're they're injury prone or whatever it, it's early picks that i that i yeah. say uh injury guys but um you know we're talking 181 here but the thing is this is also something that i think is very very serious this isn't like uh this isn't like a, oh he you know this could be something that affects him this year i i wouldn't be surprised if he had to have tommy john's surgery i mean he's got a torn ucl on his elbow so um, I, I just won't take him. Uh, it, it just doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I'll find someone who's healthy, who I can depend on to play this year. And, it, and it, he's just not that. So he's just completely off my list. Justin, how about you? Yeah. I mean, this is a huge bummer for me because I mean, I do my first set of rankings for the next season in usually like late August, early September. And so, yeah. you know, prior to the injury, I had Max Muncy as my fourth first baseman. Whoa. Um, like, I was really, really high on him. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really like, because, I mean, you got the triple eligibility, you know, a guy who's going to get on base, uh, you know, hit in a perfect spot in that Dodgers lineup. Um, Double eligibility. By I the way. Did, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know exactly where he was okay. going to be, okay. you know, because he was still in the season. Um, but like Dave said, like, I don't think you can draft him. Like there's there is no chance he's going to end up on any of my teams as much as I love him uh, because I think there's a reasonable chance he doesn't play at all this season. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to burn a top 150, even a top 200 pick on a guy that I think there's a reasonable chance uh, that he's not going to play this. How year. in the so hell is he going ahead of Trey Mancini? Like, that is insane to me. Like who's taking him over? Trey hey, even even over the last couple of weeks, surprisingly, it's, I mean he's dropped to one eighty one. People but... are because people are suckers for the hey, what if right? You know, yep. if he plays, yeah, what if he's healthy? And yeah. right now, and right now, the I think the thought process is they're going to see what's you know if he's healthy enough to just play through it. Um, and I think that is just I mean, especially with the lockout right now, he's not seeing doctors. We may find out in a month's time once things open up for spring training that he's he's done. Like, you know, or he may try to play through and we could be a month in the season 
and you know he needs to go get surgery like i mean there's there's very little way that this ends well um yeah. and he's just he's just not worth taking the gamble i don't on. i don't understand why he wouldn't just elect to have the surgery when it happened like the recovery's so much yeah. quicker for hitters than pitchers and so like it's just like delaying the inevitable in my opinion like right. he's just going to end up having it at some point yeah why, why didn't he just have it back i think i think we i think we forget like even though it is you know a much um quicker recovery time for uh, a for a hitter than it is a pitcher it's a really involved surgery and rehab process and guys this is i mean the reason why pitchers put it off and even hitters put it off is because it it's really difficult it's really painful there's a lot that goes into the rehab um and so yeah i mean they try to avoid it the best they can i think it's usually a mistake to try to avoid it but i think that's the reason it is i mean you know, you see these guys go through it. It's really, you know, you know, it really, really makes people struggle. He also hid this injury for a while. He tried to play it off like it wasn't any big deal. And then later it was like, oh, yeah, I tore my UCL. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're trying, you're trying to win a World Series, yeah, I, right? I, I, like, get you know, I, I get Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it, maybe, maybe if yeah. they uh, were, you know, out of it earlier on, maybe he would. Yeah, if they weren't going to be in the playoffs or they got eliminated in the first round, right. you know, maybe he makes a different decision. But, like, you don't – I mean, I think we get spoiled sometimes as fans to go, like, oh, why not just, you know, fix it and stuff. Like, you don't know how many shots you're going to get in the World Series. Like, you know, as good as the Dodgers are, and, you know, I'm sure they hope to compete for the next, you know, two, three, four – 10 20 years um because they're so damn good and have so much money <laughs> like he you don't know as a player like is this my last opportunity to to you know get a ring right um you know and so i, I can totally understand like going you know i'm just gonna talk i mean ronnie lott cut a finger off right or part of a finger off <laughs> Something to play in a play in a super bowl <laughs> super bowl so like guys you know these uber athletes you know are super competitive they want to win like i totally understand Did, didn't terrell owens play a super bowl with like a broken leg or something like that yeah, I mean, guys. I mean, guys do these crazy effing things all the time. Like you know, where you know us mere mortals, you know, can't even imagine. Like you know, uh, yeah. I stub my toe and I want to take the rest of the day off. I, I I roll out of bed the wrong way sometimes, and like my yeah. back is sore for the entire morning. And yeah, it's. I, I didn't write last night because I had a headache. <laughs> headaches are know. headaches are bad, man. If you have they a really bad, bad headaches. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're definitely just mere mortals. But yeah, it sucks. I, I love Muncie. I uh, I don't think I'd have him fourth in my rank. He'd probably be maybe sixth ahead of Abreu in my rankings. But yeah, I loved Muncie. He was very consistent. Like outside of the twenty twenty year, you look at his his stats. It was like bank it thirty five home runs. You know, ninety plus RBIs. You know, two fifty ish average. But you know, ninety five to one hundred runs was such a really good three category guy that um, he usually obviously had that multi position eligibility, which was huge as well. Mm -hmm. So. Kind of a bummer because he would have been a, definitely would have been a target of mine. But yeah, right now I'm definitely avoiding him as well. Uh, we're going a bit long here, so let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and talk some younger guys and some late round guys. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Ask. 
Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. All right, Justin, let's talk some Bobby Dahlbeck here. Again, some some of the younger guys that kind of had some pretty solid years last year that could take some steps forward this year. We'll start with Bobby Dahlbeck. So Dahlbeck was atrocious. As a Red Sox fan watching every game, Dahlbeck was like, – I didn't even want him starting, let alone fantasy, just like in general for the Red Sox first half of the year because he was so bad. But then Kyle Schwarber comes at the trade deadline. They work together. Dahlbeck kept Schwarber at first base uh, defensively. Schwarber gives him some tips offensively. Seemed to really help each other out, and Dahlbeck skyrocketed uh, in the second half of the season, or not second half, last two months or so. Contact rates up, K rates down, whiff rates down, etc. Are you buying Dahlbeck at all, Justin? Or are you are you thinking he's closer to first half Dahlbeck than second half Dahlbeck? I mean, I think he is who we think he is, right? You know, it is, it who do we Sunday. think he is, though? I, I think he's a guy who's going to have massive streaks in, in opposite true. directions all the time. Like, I think, I think you're going to see, you know, weeks, months where he is like unusable, and I think he's going to have weeks, months where he's like seemingly the best hitter in the game in that moment. Um, because I think that's just who he is. Uh, I think you know he's a free swinger. Um, like I, I know, you know, he had that conversation with Schwarber. He made changes. We've kind of seen that tape before with him, right? We've seen him really, really struggle and make changes and finish out hot. You know, we saw him in 2020 in that really abbreviated season. Um, they also have a really, really bright young player coming up in Cassis. Like, and I think the problem with a guy like Dahlbeck is if he struggles, they may make that switch. They he could. may not get another opportunity. So, like, I think he needs to hit the ground running. I think he needs to continue these things. Otherwise, you know, the hard, the hard part with a guy like Dahlbeck is the while the ceiling is huge, you know, we, we, we saw it, you know, at the end of the last season, the floor is really, really low. The floor is not on that roster. Um, and I don't know that I want to take that shot unless I'm in a position where, like, I'm in desperate need of power. Um, but there are other guys going around there where you can get that kind of power from. So I, I'm probably not going to have very many shares of Dahlbeck this year. All perfectly valid points. So one thing I'll say, though, I don't think Cassis is ready until probably mid-season. So I think Dahlbeck will have at least a, a few months to kind of prove himself, which definitely helps. And even with the streaks, you know, I think there's a chance end of the year. And yeah, there's definitely going to be streaks. I 100% agree with that. You know, even if he's, you know, closer to the new and improved Dahlbeck than he was the old Dahlbeck. Now, I've seen that through the minor leagues. I saw him here in Portland, Maine, coming up through Double A. He's always gonna be streaky. But what if the end of season line, if he gets a you know the lion's share of playing time at first base, gets you know six hundred plus plate appearances, I could see a two forty two fifty average and thirty home runs, which is you know maybe I don't see there's a big difference between him and CJ Crone really, uh, if that's possible. You know, yeah, the floor with Dahlbeck is much lower. Definitely agree there to see if. He does struggle, and Cassis is heating up at the right time. I can see that flop happening, but and I, I, I can see I'm I'm buying in Dahlbeck. He looked like a really different hitter, a hitter I had not seen before. 
As, Mike, as a Red Sox Mike, fan, I saw him. This is a different guy. Maybe I don't. Maybe he's not like completely second half Dahlbeck, but I can see him not reverting back to first half Dahlbeck. My only counter to that is: Are you going to be able to ride the highs and lows? Like in a best ball, I think Dahlbeck's a really interesting guy because you don't get to have to take the crap part, right? You only right. have to take the good portions of it, and you're not worrying about you know you're holding on to that you know player of the entire season no matter what, right? Unless you're in cut line. Um, but how many times, like, are you going to be able to eat those bad weeks? And, you know, especially if it lasts a long time to get back to that goodness, or are you going to make, have, be forced to make a decision where you drop him onto the waiver wire and it becomes somebody else's problem and maybe they get the goodness or maybe they, more badness, whatever. Like, it's, it's not as simple as like end of the season line where you go, hey, at the end of the year, get 35 home runs, you know, or 30 run, home runs with a 240 batting average. Like, there were weeks you probably ate, a, you know, 170, and then you may not have got him back in your lineup when he, you know, went on that tear and hit, you know, eight home runs in a week. So, he's just such a frustrating player, and I just don't love that kind of profile. Here's my biggest I, I problem there. His his strikeout rate dipped at the end of the year, but nothing else changed. His swinging strike rate, you look at the rolling yeah. graph, his swinging strike rate is ex- identical. His contact rates didn't really improve. I mean, yeah, he had made a little more contact, but... You know, you're still looking at the contact rates were sub 70%. The zone contact was 70%, 72%. Nothing changed is my biggest problem with him. And that's my concern is that we just re- we see him revert back because there's nothing that's backing up him. He's that strikeout rate. Like, I don't I don't get how it dipped so much. And he even turned it back up at the end of the year. So you just look at his rolling chart of strikeouts just up and down and up and down. So you're right, the streakiness is certainly going to be there. Yeah, and like even even the better Dahlbeck, like you mentioned, like the contact rates are still below average. So it's not it's not like he's yeah. gonna be a two eighty hitter all of a sudden. Like this is still at best case scenario, like a two fifty guy. He still had a seventeen point six swing and strike percentage. Yeah, that's and not good. swung out side of the zone like thirty five percent of the time, like in the hot streak. Like it's that's built into who he is. Like maybe he's got a little bit better pitch recognition, um, which is great, but at the same time, like I think this feels a lot like Charlie Brown trying to kick a football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can say that for sure. Uh, all right, Dave, hop in. What you got? Yeah, I mean, um, I think he made legit improvements because uh, everything was kind of up in the second half. Power, hard head contact, but and he has that elite barrel percentage too. Um, I, I'm definitely in on him. The thing is, like, I I get the downside, right? Like, you're not you're probably not starting him as your starting first baseman. Um, right. Yeah. That's, that's the nice thing is he can kind of be your corner slash maybe even your utility guy, but for where he goes. And I mean, after, after Votto's off the board, I, I kind of feel like other than Mancini, there's really no one other than Dahlbeck going there that I, I, I think he has a lot of room to move up. And I think that's really that the, the tough part here is I think by March, a lot of people are going to be moving him up the board. He's a big target. He feels like, like Crone did last year when he signed with Colorado, everybody was pushing him way up the boards and he kind of has, feels like he has that sort of helium, maybe slightly less, but I think that a lot of people are going to be targeting him. Once you get into those, uh, any, anytime you're coming near pick, you know, one ninety two hundred. I think people are looking to take him. So I just think if you're targeting him, you have to kind of be wary where you, you know, you're going to have to jump up for, to get him. Probably. Uh, I think, I think the upside there is, is, is good, but you know, like you guys said, there will definitely be, you know, his profile is definitely conducive to cold streaks as well as those hot yep. streaks. So I'm not concerned about Casas, though. Like, I don't think they're just going to, like, bring Casas up and replace him unless I think he has to lose his spot for them to replace him. Like, if they want to play Casas at, like, DH or whatever or, or Dahlbeck at DH, 
they can do that. But if he's hitting, there's no there's no concern that Casas is just going to replace him. Right. And and Dahlbeck's a pretty solid. I want well, he's not Gold Glove. He's a pretty solid defensive first baseman too. So okay, that, that definitely know. helps. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. So I think that definitely gives him a little bit of a longer leash. But um, yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I, I don't think there's like any threat of Cass is coming up and taking that spot right away. At least not until June, July at the earliest. So um, moving on here to another, I put him in the young gun section, but he's not a young gun. He's 29, but kind of feels like he fits just because that last year was his first, really first full season or even first full half season. Uh, he broke out in the second half after all the Cubs moves trading away Rizzo and Bryant and Baez opened up plenty of spots and Frankie Schwindel, Frank the Tank Schwindel took the spot at first base and really ran with it. 326, 371, 591 slash line, 14 home runs, 43 RBI and 44 runs scored in 259 plate appearances. Justin, are you buying Frank the Tank here in 2022? Here's another example of like you know you you do early ranks. I try to do early ranks before I uh, before you know ADP is out before other people do ranks. That way I'm not influencing my early ranks. Right. I had Schwindel really really low, um, but he also hadn't finished doing what he was going to do in the season. And you know the more I talk to people, the more I dug into him, the more I really like what he does. Like yeah. he makes a ton of zone contact, and um, I don't know what the Cubs are doing. I really don't get it. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, if they are, like, going to try to compete, half compete. Like, I, I really don't kind of get it. But that being said, like, as the way the roster is constructed in the moment, unless they bring back a guy like Rizzo, which I don't necessarily think they're, ne- they're going to do, um, I think he's got that job on lockdown. Yeah. I think he can be in the middle of that lineup, which isn't going to be nearly as good as it was, but it's, it's not going to be the worst lineup in baseball, and it's not a bad park to hit in, not a bad division to hit in. Um, so, yeah, I've been kind of, you know, kind of warming up to Frank Schwindel, uh, and I think I've got him around, like, my 15th or 17th, something like that, first baseman, which is higher than the ADP, where I started off with him as, like, my 37th or 38th. So, like, he's moved up quite a bit in my ranks. Um, and, uh, I've actually drafted him, I think once or twice already this season. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in on Frank Schwindel. I am too. I, I have him 20th overall right behind Trey Mancini and I might even move him up because I, I like Frank Schwindel. You, know, you look at, he was always a pretty solid hitter in the minor leagues as well. He has a 286 career hitter there, 135 home runs, 842 games. So it's not like this completely came out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't think we saw him being like a top 10 hitter in baseball over the last two months of the year, but. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot to like here with Schwindel. And for what it's worth, I know it's not the be-all, end-all, but Ross Resource has him hitting second uh, right between Rafael Ortega and Wilson Contreras. So and he'll probably hit higher up in that order. I don't I don't see him hitting really any lower than fourth because you look at fifth down, it's like Patrick Wisdom, Jason Hayward, the, you know, the Nico and Nick middle infield duo, and like Clint Frazier. So it's probably two, three, four is in some order. Contreras, Happ, and Schwindel. So... Uh, again, pretty solid. Like you mentioned, solid part of the lineup. Good hitters park. Rookie has always been good, especially in the summer when the, that you know, the wind blowing out there. So I like Swindell. I, I want him as my starter, but I think he's a really solid corner infield guy. Maybe he's like a 270, 25 homer type that we kind of were talking about. These are one of those guys that you can get at this range and his ADP. Uh, let's see, pull it back up here. Right around like pick 225, 230 or so. 23rd position off the board. Yeah, I, I like him more than... You know, I almost like him more than like Josh Bell or Reese Hoskins, Ooh. or at least just as much. They're going 
80 to 100 picks sooner. So, yeah, give me all the Frankie Tank shares at pick 230. Uh, Clegg, what about you? Yeah, I like him. I'm not going to go as far as say I'll get him. I love Josh Bell, personally. I think Bell's just I've never really been a Josh Bell guy. I'm, just I'm, warming, so I'm warming up to Josh Bell. I will say that. I am warming up to Josh Bell, and he's hitting behind Soto, which definitely helps. But I don't know. I've just never been a uh, Josh Bell guy. Yeah, I, I think Bell's just a tweak away from – Unlocking a ton of power. I mean, hasn't he? Hasn't he always been a tweak away though? No, I feel like we've said this before. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But even he, he could do it. He even, could do it, and I'll, I'll eat my words if he does. But I don't know. I think like we've always even been with there. a fifty-five percent ground ball rate. He's still a thirty home run bat. Like that's the crazy thing. So, and he's still going to hit for solid average. So I think you know if he pushes that down to fifty, I mean, like he he's shown that he can be sub fifty the last couple of years. So that's I, I just think it's there. I think that he's got thirty plus home run pop, but. Yeah, anyway, that was a previous discussion. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I do like Schwindel. I think at the price, I do think that he's pretty solid. And I, I don't think it was fluky. I don't think we're going to see that kind of average again. I think there's a lot of average regression probably coming. But even still, I think he's a good bat. He's going to be hitting a good lineup spot. And, you know, people think it doesn't really matter if he's hitting in a bad lineup, but it does. I mean, the amount of plate appearance he's going to get hitting two, if he hits two in that lineup really does matter. He's going to get a ton. So I, I do like that. Dave, are you in on Frankie as well? I mean, I, I don't have a problem with him at the price. You know, he's going like two thirty-one, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely taking a guy like Dahl back over him because I'm I'm looking for that. That's the point of the draft where I, I'm looking to hit on a, a big upside guy, and I just don't think Schwindel has it. Like, um, I'm expecting some some pullback for sure from what we saw from last year. Like, you look at his barrel rate, eight percent is way below where most of the first basemen are. He's got a subpar hard hit rate under forty percent. Um, you know, max EV again, we said not exactly the be all end all here, but kind of one twelve point five. it's, it's fine, but I, I don't, there's nothing in his profile that really screams, you know, 78% contact rate. And, and, you know, these guys who break out late, um, a lot of times they, they kind of, they show a little something and they have some pullback. So I'm not really big on him, but at the same time, I think he's fine for where he goes. You know, he's like you said, he's got a, he's got a pretty solid spot in that lineup, um, should be hitting in the top you know, four spots or so, maybe even second. Um, I don't expect that to be a great lineup, but, you know, if you're hitting second, third, fourth in any lineup, that's that's good for your numbers. So um, I don't I don't dislike him. I just don't particularly like him, and I, I would much rather have uh, Bell and Hoskins than him for sure. Yeah, no, I, I would take them as well, but I just don't think yeah. there's a huge gap. I don't think there's a 80 to 100 pick gap in value between those guys. This is what I was trying to say. I, I would definitely take those guys. If they're all on the board, I would take Bell then Hoskins, then Schwindel. But I don't see why there's a almost 100-pick gap between the three. That's, that's what I was kind of trying to get at. I hear you. I, I think Hoskins is a little – I mean, Hoskins and Bell, are they have a lot of power. Like I think they can hit 40-plus homers if, if things break right for them, whereas I think Schwindel is kind of a 20-22 to 22 kind of home run bat. He's got, he's got some solid contact skills and everything. I just think it's, it's kind of like – it's just a different type of hitter. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, like, Schwindel, like, had a, like, a 90-something percent zone contact percentage. It was, like, among yeah. first basemen, it was top five in baseball. Like, I mean, he has the ability just, you know, just put a ton of balls in play. Like, I agree. Like, I'm still taking Bell over him. I'm still taking Hoskins over him because of the power potential. But I... I More stable like, profile. Schwindel is... Yeah. yeah, Schwindel, I think, is a lot safer than maybe we're giving him credit for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think he's safe. I, I don't think that's the question. Yeah. I think it's just a question of upside, really. Just what yeah. you're looking for. I mean, yeah, I, I, overall, 
overall zone con- zone contact. I mean, he ranks twenty first in, in all of baseball. So that's yeah, pretty dang good. Yeah, very good. Like, that's amazing for a first baseman. I mean, you know, and a guy who like hit fourteen home runs in two hundred fifty nine plate appearances. Like, you, if we can give him, or if, if he can get six hundred plate appearances, they don't bring someone else in to compete um, with him. Uh, then you know, plus they're adding the DH in the National League more than likely. Like, there's a real shot. Like we're talking about a guy who could potentially hit 300 with 30 plus home runs. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, like you don't find that very often, right? Like that's Freddie Freeman esque. like, and we're talking, and so I mean, that's some pretty damn good upside that I don't think we're giving enough credit. For. I don't think he hits the ball hard enough though, for us to really see that in his average though. Like his contact is there, but I don't think he's ever going to be like a, that kind of 300 average guy again. I mean, this is a, I know he was last year in 250 at bat play appearances, but I think if we see a full season, I don't think you're going to see those kind of numbers again. I mean, <laughs> I disagree. Like, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not projecting that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm probably projecting like 270, but yeah. I think you know, you look throughout some of the, you know his minor league stays. You know, you look at what he did in the majors last year. Um, I mean, I think that's in the range of possibilities for him. Okay. Like and we're so if we're talking about upside, we're talking about a guy who's got the upside of, you know, like a fourth, third round pick, and like, you know, so like I, you know, plus a really high floor. Like I think Schwinn, like I'm talking myself higher up on. <laughs> you, you're gonna guys. have him top five here soon. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like a a guy who I I don't even think I had him as a top forty first baseman in my first run of ranks. Like you know, like this is you know this is a pretty awesome. He's program. moving him above Muncie. Yep. He's, that being said, like, who knows? It could all fall apart, right? We're also talking about 250 yeah. points. Yeah. I mean, if, if the short season taught us anything, it's that those small samples are dangerous yeah. to believe in for sure. Absolutely. Yes, they are. But for what it's worth, in the second half of the last season, he had the seventh highest Woba in baseball for qualified hitters. Take yeah. that for what it's worth. Like, so no, I'm obviously, I, I, I don't think he's, you know, obviously. Not going to maintain that, but yeah, I, I do like the profile. I think it's one of the better profiles this late in the draft. Like, t- it's hard to find this good of a profile, you know, this safe of a profile, even with you know, like, like Dave mentioned, he only has like two hundred and whatever uh, plate appearances. But you know, I, I, th- I like the profile a lot at this stage in the draft for sure. See, and I think fan tracks, good, going, I think he's very safe. Yeah. I think that's a very good yeah. uh, way to explain him. Yeah, fan tracks, he's going two forty four point six. Yeah, and like I said about two right around two thirty two forty on NFBC. So yeah, I love the profile that late. Another profile I love. He's a little bit higher in, in ADP by about yeah fifty ish spots. But a guy that I think could be a top one hundred guy this year. That's Alex Karloff of the Minnesota Twins. Guy that was a top ten caliber prospect in the minor leagues. And a high contact guy, solid but solid but not great power. But last year the quality of contact metrics were pretty solid. I guess it was only in uh, what do you have two hundred and thirty one plate appearances, but. Uh, 12.8% barrel rate, 91 mile an hour average exit velo, 43.9% hard hit rate. It was one of only, I think it was like eight or nine hitters in baseball to have a XBA of 290 or above and an X slug of 530 or above. He was 291 and 541 overall. Uh, so underperformed a little bit, only hit 251. Um, but I think there's a Brian Reynolds type of profile here to be had with Kirloff. And this is a guy that's going around like pick uh, 170, 180 or so, both on fan tracks. And NFBC, so I am. I've gotten already a couple of shares of Karloff, and I'm trying to get all the shares I can. I think this is to be a great year for him. He's gonna be in a pretty good lineup all around, especially if Buxton and Donaldson can stay healthy. I'm really buying uh, Karloff this year. What about you, Dave? Are you in on Karloff? 
Um, I, I'm not really, um, I, and I, I hear you like I, the, the profile, uh, looked good from the power perspective, you know, 12.8% barrel rate, 44% hard hit rate. Uh, the max EV wasn't really there, but he also had a wrist injury last year. And, and the one thing I have to look into too, uh, and he had surgery in late July. And, um, I have to look into how players perform, uh, coming back the year after wrist surgery. Um, because I, I can't remember if that's uh, if they're if they're expected to return to their full power the first year back or not. But I think the power is good. Um, the you know the contact is is not bad either. You know twenty five twenty two point five percent K rate. Uh, he doesn't walk much, only six percent. Um, you know I think I think he can he can hit for a decent average. I think he'd be like a two seventy hitter. Um, I, the main thing I don't like is is kind of like just the twins. Like I I don't trust them like they, they didn't play him every day it was like five out of six games which is not terrible but i like guys who are going to be in there every every day um and i i think he where is he projected to hit i mean I, again i don't care about roster resource at this point in the season because they're just guessing but i think last year he hit kind of in the lower half a good amount yeah, um, he, yeah, he probably does again but maybe you can see him yeah. up to that that five six race because like right now yeah i'm still at roster resource but it's not really like I think the top two, three, four are Buxton, Polanco, Donaldson. They're pretty set. But after that, like, is Kepler or Garver like locked into the five, six spot? Probably not. So I think there's a chance right. that he could, he could move up. And Sanoe is going to hit higher than like seventh at this point. So I think he, he yeah. could see like a, him in the five spot at some point. I think he could. I just think he's not going to get you the counting stats that you're that you can get from other guys going around there. You know, again, like, like a Mancini, like a Vado, like a Hoskins. I mean, I know some of those guys go a little bit higher than him, but. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, the fact that he has outfield eligibility helps too. Uh, I just, yep. I don't think I'm going to have many, uh, shares of him, but I don't, you know, I don't dislike him or anything. I don't think he's like a bad pick. I just think it's more of a, for counting stats. I'm not, uh, super in on that. Okay. Okay. Click. How about you? Yeah. You know, I love him for dynasty. I'm scooping him up everywhere in dynasty. The contact's really good. As you mentioned, I'll look back at his, uh, 2019 double a contact rate is 80 percent, which is really good and so i think the power's blossoming as well but yeah i am worried about his lineup spot plate appearances and counting stats this year so not really in on him for redraft but dynasty i want all i can get of him because i do think long term he's a, a really solid player justin yeah he was one of those guys when i first did my ranks i was like oh man he's gonna be a really nice value people are gonna forget about him and nobody's forgotten about him yeah, <laughs> everybody's problem, yeah. Like, like yeah like like there is no discount he's going 180 he should not be going 180 he went from being this player i thought we were gonna get a nice discount on yeah to a player that we're not getting a discount yeah, at a all point, on. yeah and and we're not even baking in the fact that he's coming off a wrist surgery a wrist issue that he has dealt with for years yeah um, we have no idea if the power is going to return right away. Power typically does not return right away okay. after these kind of wrist surgeries. So, um, yeah, as much as I, I, I kind of agree with Chris, like I want dynasty you know, shares. I, you know, I would, I would be actively trying to go get dynasty shares, especially if I'm not trying to compete this year for, for 2022. I think I've drafted him once already in a really, really early draft, but that's probably the last I'm going to end up with him. All right, let's go. One more young name here. It'd be a shame if we didn't get a little Spencer Torkelson talking here, who could be up early on in the season. Uh, Chris, go to you first here. Are you looking to draft Torkelson uh, in redraft this year? His ADP is currently right around 260 or so. 
Would you take him there or take him at all? Would 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 you want him to fall later, or where would you be comfortable taking Torkelson this year? Uh, you know, I this year I think I've made the decision like I'm just not touching a prospect that hasn't debuted yet in a redraft league. Yeah, it just is so risky, and we we've seen this over and over and over. And I I love Torkelson, and I also have we got any update about his his injury from the fall league? Like. No. I'm not sure if there's been any update on that, which is another kind of red flag for me. I mean, the injury was pretty significant that he had. It in his folly completely. They sent him home. So, like, that's a concern. So, yeah, I'm I'm not really going to draft. I don't think I'm going to draft him anywhere, personally. Dave, I, I saw you shaking your head. You're probably avoiding as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, I, I avoid prospects as much as possible. Uh, you know, that's, they're they're constantly overvalued. You don't know how their team's going to play them, if they're going to, you know, platoon or how they're going to adjust coming up. I don't think Torkelson's profile really translates well right off the bat. Um, you know, again, down the line next year, maybe even uh, might be in, but for this year, you know, he's in Detroit, terrible park for power. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm drafting for production and, and he's not a, and I, again, I don't even know if he's starting up with them or what's going to, what they're going to do. So no, even, even, yeah, and, and even in draft and hold, you never know. Like, you know, I drafted Bobby Witt last year thinking, oh, he'll be up at some point, you know, and because he had fallen a bit and then, you know, never came up, not even for a cup of coffee in September. So <laughs> we don't we don't know. We all think he's going right. to be up, but who knows? Yeah, no, I'm with I'm with both of you. I just I've kind of steered away from drafting process. Unless the value is like crazy good. And I'm more like go after the post hype second year guys, you know, like a Carol off that, you know, he fits in that example. So those are more of my types now. Yeah, props to this go way too high. And yeah, they're just the sexy toy. Everyone loves that and they're shiny and they're new, but it's everyone pushes them up way too high. And like Bobby Wood Jr. is going like top 60 in some drafts. I just, as good, Bobby Wood Jr. could be a fantasy first round talent down the road. Absolutely could. But yeah, he just, I just can't do it. Not to get on a shortstop rant here, but yeah, I, <laughs> I just can't do it either. I love Tor. I'd rather go after his teammate, Riley Green, if I had to pick one. Um, did I just steal your thunder, Justin? Yeah, you literally stole exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Absolutely, word for word, and said, I'd rather have Riley Green. Um, yeah, I've got Torkelson ranked as my 31st uh, first baseman right behind Eric Cosmer. So that tells you exactly how much oh, I want him on my oh, team. That, that's that's so, mean. Don't do the man like that behind Hosmer. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the ankle, the ankle injury, they said it's a significant injury, you know, and they're calling it a sprain. But a sprain is a, a sprain is a tear. Like so, yeah. like if they're saying significant, uh, significant injury, he's going to miss significant time. Ankle sprain. That's telling me he tore something in his ankle. Um, and you know, so automatically you knew he probably wasn't going to be up unless he signed some sort of deal. Start day one. Now we probably, especially you know, they're not talking to the team doctors. Like we have no idea what's going on. Like yeah, I'll probably be in on him a huge amount in 2023, but in 2022, probably not going to end up on my teams. Yeah, I, I actually have Torque one spot below you. I have him 32nd in my rankings, but I also have Hosmer 41st. I just don't want anything to do with Eric Hosmer. Um, let's go on here. Get we're going a little late on time here. Let's let's move on to our next segment here. A couple uh, bounce back potential candidates here. One younger, one older. Andrew Vaughn. I know he's not. First was eligible this year at NFBC, but for most of you listening, probably is whether you're on Yahoo or Fantrax or whatever. Uh, so we'll talk about him a little bit here. And then Anthony Rizzo, who finally seemed to have fallen off last year after many, many years of really good production and consistency. Uh, Justin, I'll go back to you here. Are you buying a bounce back from either of these guys in 2022? 
Um, I'm definitely interested in Rizzo depending on where he signs. So I kind of want to see, like, if you're doing early drafts, yeah. like, I want to see where he's going to end up. Make sure he's got full-time playing time. Make sure it's not in a park that's, like, really crappy or a lineup that's really crappy. So I'm kind of waiting and seeing on him. Uh, Vaughn, I mean, I love the skills. Like, I think there's talent. Um, I mean, he played his high school ball, like, within walking distance of my house. So, like... Oh, really? Uh, his, his dad works with my wife. Really? Um, like, so, like, I've got all the reasons in the world uh, <laughs> to root for the kid, but I don't really trust the White Sox to play him. Like, he, the, the way the White Sox handled him last year is really, really perturbing. Um, and I don't trust the organization right now, so I'm going to fade him uh, unless he falls in a draft. Uh, it's by the fact that, you know... I do think maybe at some point he does get first base eligibility back in those leagues where he doesn't have it. So uh, I, I want to root for the kid. I do. And I am rooting for the kid, but I'm not going to root for him on my team. Probably. That's that's fair. And yeah, I, I it was really odd. The uh, La Russa hiring. He did a fine job, obviously. Um, but I thought it's all the young talent they had on that team. Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That they would have brought in a little bit, a younger guy that could, a manager that could relate to those guys a bit more. And, yeah, Vaughn played you know, mostly out in left, some right, even played had one start at second and third. I'm like, that's just got to mess with a guy, especially a guy that's trying to adjust to major league pitching, which is already a beast of itself. So, yeah, I, I like Vaughn to bounce back. Rizzo, eh, I don't know. I think he can bounce back. I don't think he's completely done being a, a solid option. I don't think, obviously, his glory days are behind him, but I do like Vaughn to bounce back. You know, the approach is still solid enough. You know, the uh, – quality of contact was pretty good last year good hard hit rate solid barrel rate as well so i do think vaughn can bounce back but yeah i just don't like little recesses manager I, just, I, just, I wonder if it's gonna be like 2021 part two for vaughn next year so yeah I, I do share those same concerns chris what about you yeah i agree i think that he's probably gonna be an excellent buy next year but this year i don't trust him to play i mean one he's not an outfielder and they're you know playing him out there he's not a second baseman they, they played him there too <laughs> He's not going to play first base unless, you know, Bray used DH in some. But uh, that's my concern is there's just not a clear spot for him. And, you know, right now he's listed on roster resources a platoon with Gavin Sheets, which I don't know if that's the case. But I do think I that – Yeah, I do think that – I think people were kind of, you know, scoffing at Vaughn despite – I think he had a solid season given the circumstances he faced yeah. last year. Yeah. I mean, everything that he dealt with. But, again, I think that he's going to deal with that same crap this year. So – you know, I'm struggling to buy in for this season. I'm hoping he gets more time at DH this yeah, year. Um, because right now, that, that's where they have him is platooning with Gavin Sheets, which I don't think Sheets will really factor in much. But maybe he gets more time at DH, and that helps. That's kind of uh, the one thing I'm holding on to with, with Vaughn. But I don't know. Abreu's still there, obviously. He ain't going anywhere. So, yeah, this year I think it's going to be a lot of the same, unfortunately. But maybe DH more, that's always a possibility. Uh, Dave, how about you? Are you buying either Vaughn or Rizzo this year? Not particularly. I mean, I, I like Vaughn's skills, but like like Justin was saying, I mean, they're they were playing everybody over him. I mean, it, it he was playing, you know, a couple times a week, but nothing resembling full time at bats. If he does get full time at bats, that's one thing. But I mean, you know, think about how many injuries they had last year. I mean, they were playing, you know, Goodwin and Mendick and Sheets and all these guys you had never even heard of or right. thought were would be relevant in twenty twenty one over him at times. So it's just like, how can you trust that they're, I mean, unless they come out and like commit to him and say like, yeah, we're definitely playing Andrew Vaughn every day. And then, okay. And now we're talking, you know, he's going 245. That's a fine place to take him if he's going to get that playing time. But 
as it is, I'd much rather have Dahlbeck going around the same time. So I just, you know, yeah. it's it's not a guy I'm looking to draft. Um, Rizzo, I don't think he's like done, and it obviously depends on where he goes uh, for what his playing time situation is going to be. But uh, you know, he's like 20, 25 homers with like a two fifty five, two sixty five average somewhere in there is what I'd expect. And you know, he's okay, he's fine. Um, I I don't really uh, foresee having him anywhere, and I don't know why I would take him over. You know a guy like Mancini going after him and stuff like that. I just, I'd probably, I'd take Dahlbeck over him too, to be honest with you. Like, I just don't know what I'm really taking Rizzo for that, that, that point. Yeah. I'm kind of the same mindset with you, with you on Rizzo there. All right, let's, let's end the show with our favorite late round targets. Let's go post 250 ADP. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off here. I love Rowdy Telez uh, late in draft. Son of a bitch. <laughs> See, this is why I've learned my lesson because I always sometimes go last, and then like my guy will get taken. So I'm, like, I'm taking Rowdy Pelez <laughs> here. So I want to talk about my boy Rowdy. Um, you know, the one kind of concern is maybe the playing time isn't there right now. He might be he might in a platoon, but you look at some of the guys that could potentially platoon with him. It's like Mike Brousseau, no. Kesson Hiria, no. We've been there, no. Jace Peterson, no. So I think Rowdy Pelez is going to have that first base spot. Probably going to hit fifth sixth in the lineup. I don't think he hits lower than sixth. And I think there's some really good breakout potential here in the profile. Like last year, um, he had a 92.2 mile an hour average exit velo, Very good. 11.6% barrel rate. Very good. Um, you know, 48.1% hard hit rate. Kept the K rate in check. Uh, it's been 20% or less each of the last two years. Walk rate's kind of meh. It's like slightly below average, but I think he could be 260-ish hitter. Uh, 25 home runs and Again, this is a guy that's not that, you know, much of a different profile. Guys that are going, we just talked about, you know, the Dahlbeck, Schwindel range. Uh, and, and he's going good. Where is he going? 125 picks later, around 350 ADP. I'm, I'm getting, I think I've got Telez in a lot of my leagues, probably over half my leagues so far. I love already Telez. So uh, he's my pick here. Uh, Dave, I'll let you regroup and find someone else. Uh, Justin, who's your pick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I I got a lot of guys actually going after yeah. 50 that I really like, and I think this is um, you know one of the reasons why people say like, hey, you can you can pass on a lot of these earlier options because uh, Telez was a guy who's on my list. Tetsugo, uh, you know what he did in Pittsburgh after being traded there yes, was really good, really good uh, in, enticing. Um, uh, who's my oh Jesus Aguilar is a guy I always seem to kind of end up on a bunch of my teams. I think he's super underrated. Uh, you know, if we're talking like super late post four hundred. Bobby Bradley is Dobby uh, Dobby Ballback <laughs> Dahlbeck on the Cleveland Guardians. He's a guy who is going to strike out a ton and hit a bunch of home runs, and the Guardians have kind of committed to him. Um, I mean, obviously super low floor, but uh, I think you know he he has the power to hit forty home runs. If he can find enough contact, that's a big if. Yeah, uh, but big if, but yeah, uh, I, I see know, that. Too. I mean, if we're we're talking post four hundred, like that's a ton of power, you know, as a reserve, uh, you know, first baseman for you. So I just think there's so many guys going late at first base that, like, like we've said the entire episode, this is why if you just decide to wait, you can get options later for sure. Clegg, how yeah. about you? Tasugo's my guy. I was going with. I mean, yeah. he batted at the top of the lineup to end the season. He's projected to hit second. I mean, you look what he did. Final 144 plate appearances, all, all in Pittsburgh. You know, they freed him. They played him every day. He's the guy that people thought he could be coming over here. And he hit eight home runs, 268 average over that span. 
I think he's going to be pretty solid. He's going really late uh, right now, three around 370 in, in draft champions. So, you know, that's a really good spot for a guy that I think could hit 20-plus home runs and hit for a decent little average. So, really like Tosugo. Dave, round us out. Who's your guy? Yeah, well, after Justin took like seven guys for his guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some pick I mean, is left. <laughs> uh obviously yeah rowdy rowdy's my guy but uh after after that um i i think it it really depends on what they do at the at the position because they are talking about medals and everything but luke void is sitting there at 278 and if he takes yeah. the, the yankees job i mean right now i think he's an awesome pick uh especially in a if you're in a early fab league where you can drop him in like a shallow league like a 10 or 12 teamer because like you're getting him at a monster value there because We'll know by by you know March where he stands. You know, like, is he their yeah. starting first baseman, or is he, you know, kind of on the bench again? But I mean, this guy has a monster barrel rate. Like he can, you know, he can. He's got big power, um, and he, and he's a good enough contact here too. I know it dropped massively last season, but uh, he he makes enough contact that it's not going to be like a you know two twenty average. He's usually around you know two sixty two seventy. So I I I love Voight right now, but again, we just don't know where he's going to be by March. Um, another interesting guy real late is Profar going at 455 because right now he could have a starting spot. And uh, when you're going 450 with a starting spot in, uh, in San Diego uh, who has first base outfield eligibility, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Those of you in super deep leagues, like draft and holds and stuff like that, you can also combine Carlos Santana and Nick Prado. Prado will be up at some point to replace him, but Santana's just like that old steady Eddie dude who just, you know, he's going to play because he's getting paid, and right. then Prado will replace him at some point. Yeah. Is he, though? David. Is he going to Vinny, Vinny Pasquantino, he's the dude. Italian. Who? Vinny Pasquantino. Vinny Pasquantino. He, he's better than Prado, man. I'm telling you. Really? His, yeah. his contact, I, I don't know much contact's about insane. You know, Prado's probably got better power, but Pasquantino's power is, or is it, contact is, is elite, like, Good power elite contact. Yeah. Pasquantino was one of three prospects last year to have that are age 22 or younger to have a, was it a walk rate above 15%, a K rate below 20%, and like a 250 plus ISO. Yeah. He's, he's legit. But wow. uh, I, I don't know. If we, I don't know, I don't know if we see him a lot this year. He's a little further back than Prado, but yeah. But yeah. He, he Pro- I, I, last year, though, right? Yeah. Maybe I could see. I think Prado comes up with wit. I think there's, there's, I think it's there's possible, a real possibility yeah. that, that they they come up together. Yeah, yeah. Prado, Prado's been a guy. I've got a couple of shares of Prado just because he, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a solid bat. I think he's a little overrated, but I do think he has some solid value there with Prado. Just seeing like, best balls and draft deep draft and holds and yeah. mm-hmm. and whatnot. So um, there's a lot of question marks in that in that lineup. I mean, we don't know where what if Dozier's starting at first or you know. I mean, Santana could be yeah, a guy. I I mean, who's going to play DH? Like they could play Mondesi there to try to keep him healthy, especially if they bring up Wit early. I think that's Nicky Lopez. You got with Merrifield there. You got Michael Taylor playing good out center field defense. So I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot of guys playing a lot of their positions all year long. Yeah, probably. So that's that's probably meaning I'm I'm going to be avoiding that Santana, you know, Prado situation. With Merrifield is like a Dave McDonald guy. I think for the fact that <laughs> when I was looking up the uh, the games played over the last three years, oh yeah, he's he's, he's, he's was the only ball. guy to play in every game the last three years. Yeah, he's he's actually much more of a Jake Callisker guy, but I I am a fan. <laughs> um, I prefer to get my steals with a guy who has a little bit more power when possible, but I'm not opposed to him for sure. I mean, he's he's yeah. a, you know you're getting production from that guy. I mean, it's right. uh, just a question of the RBI, but I again that's that's something I feel 
pretty confident that I can pick up later in the draft and then on the wire too. So, I just want to point out before you guys wrap this up that we are on pick 12 and Vlad is still on the board of this wow. draft. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. We're, we're, oh, we're not up to 24. Okay. He ain't falling to us at 24. <laughs> Who's up now? Oh, Bubba's up. And then we got Toby. To- you know, Toby's not taking him unless he does it for the means. So uh, there's, okay. there's, a, there's a realistic chance he could make it to, you know, 14, 15 in this draft. That would I mean, be Toby- his, his uh, max pick. Toby could, Toby could take Scherzer, Beeler, or Wheeler here too. So there's mm-hmm. uh, there's some there's some options for sure. Yeah, I think to- Toby's setting up a. Uh, who knows what Toby's setting up? Govier setting up fifteen. Fifteen pick again for Govier. He was there last year too, and he'll probably do his patented uh, wait an hour, take one pick, then wait another hour and a half, and then make his second pick like he always does. <laughs> We're all oh, like, geez. you son of a bitch! You got two picks, and you're gonna wait <laughs> an hour and a half between them. <laughs> gotta think it out man gotta think it yeah. out all right let's end the show with a deep dive into eric hosmer no i'm kidding gentlemen i'm done <laughs> mason just disconnects yeah. um this was a lot of fun guys thanks for coming cool. on um i will listen to you guys on the friends of fantasy memphis podcast obviously sleeper on the bus and rotosaurus as well high stakes heat great podcast everyone should check out all three of those you probably already are but if you're not do so uh, again, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, love love all your stuff. Uh, any, anything you guys want to plug here before we get out of here, Justin? Uh, I mean, I think you named all the podcasts. So uh, I'll be starting the TGFBI podcast here pretty soon. You can sign up for TGFBI if you're in the industry. Do it soon because end of the yes. month is, is the end of it. Uh, and then uh, I write daily over at Fangraphs. So, uh, you know, I think I got some catcher ranks and some ADP market report stuff coming out this week. Uh, so definitely check that kind of stuff out. Yes, sign up for TGFBI. If you do any type of content, just do it. It's it's a fun mm-hmm. fun set of leagues, so I definitely recommend that. Dave, how about you? Yeah, I mean, you you uh, you already mentioned the podcast. Uh, you know, J- Justin and I uh, usually do Mondays, although I, I don't know if he'll be able to do tomorrow on Friends with Fantasy Benefits because he's uh, having some dental surgery done. But um, we might fit in fit it in. Like we we'll do like a two a.m. broadcast, and it's always live too, so you guys can always come on and harass us like Paul Spore likes to do from time to time. Uh, so, uh, and then uh, Jake and I do the high stakes heat podcast every Thursday. Um, if you haven't listened to us before, and the thing about our podcast is we do a lot of like roster construction and, and strategy stuff talk. It's uh, it's not as much player breakdowns and stuff. So a lot of the older episodes are still relevant today. So there's kind of those evergreen things. So if you like to yep. uh, hear about that stuff, um, there's also uh, one episode by with Jason DuPont, on with us a couple episodes ago that I think was really, really good. Like Jason was an awesome guest, had a lot of valuable things to say, I think. So if you've never heard us before, I'd say check that episode out. And then you can also find Justin and I at PitchCon. And I think you two are there too, right? Yep. Yes, we yeah. are. Uh, Friday, and, uh, Friday doing evening. The prospects. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. on uh Sunday afternoon at four. It's me, Saturday. Justin and Callum. It's Saturday. Saturday. Sorry. Saturday. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, right, I've had a Dave. lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. You definitely check out PitchCon. There's what like eighty something guests over four days. You know, Nick announced it's awesome, that. Though. Yeah, yeah, they they, they mm-hmm. do a great thing. This is the third year they're doing this. A lot, always a lot of fun. I it's an honor to be uh, included in the, in this group sure. as well. So for sure. check out PitchCon. Check out all the podcasts. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Justin is at Justin Mason FWFB. Dave McDonald's at run DMCD. 
Chris is at Rotoclag. I'm at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of Chris and I's written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for the second base position. We have a couple more great guests coming on there. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?